Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. It is such a tremendous honor to be here today and to finally uh, lay eyes on you. We have seen so many photos and had so many conversations and heard so much about what God is doing in this church, but to come and see it, I'm telling you, I feel like I haven't even heard the half of the story. Once I came here and I saw it and I'm uh, experiencing it, it's unbelievable what God is doing here at Mission Church. Can we clap and thank God? Come on for what's happening. Come on, right here, right now. It's unbelievable. Do you love your pastors today? If I, can, if I can just ask, um, be kind to your pastors, like laugh at their jokes, buy them Starbucks. Um, but you know, the Bible teaches us to be an, a blessing to our overseers, not a burden. So if you've got a bad email and t- something to complain about, send it to someone in the row, not to your pastors. So, somebody's like, dang it. <laughs> But um, do everything you can to, uh, you know, lift their hands, encourage them, and make them feel like they are champions because they are. And sometimes uh, churches, it's amazing that sometimes, uh, I heard someone say this, the devil's not afraid of a big church, he's afraid of a unified church. And listen, sometimes churches can turn against each other. And we made it a value at our church. I think this should be a value at this church. We're not going to fight with each other. We're going to fight for each other. Come on, clap if you agree with that. I got enough fighting going on out there. When you come in here, it should be a safe place. Amen. So as a pastor to your pastors, let's love them and cherish them, honor them, celebrate them, and believe the best in them. Amen. Come on, one more time. Let's clap and thank God for Pastor Tyler. Didn't Rachel do a great job with worship? My God. And this guy's got eight, eight days? My goodness. These guys are unbelievable. Congratulations. I did see you not blink for the whole set. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> we have, um, and, and it is a tremendous honor. You know, my wife and I, we're celebrating this week 11 years of marriage. Come on, isn't that? We made it. So we are 11 years in, and we have four children together. We have a 7-year-old, a 5-year-old, a 3-year-old, and a 1-year-old. The other day, someone in our church is like, oh my gosh, you guys love kids. I said, shoot, I love my wife. That's the result of loving her. I don't love kids. That's just what happens. So anyways, it's another message for another day. But uh, we feel really, really thankful to be here. We started a church uh, in L.A. four years ago. And in four years, we've seen over 7,000 people say yes to Jesus in just four years. And that all, if you're into that sort of thing, you can clap and thank God for it. I think it's pretty cool. So it is great to be in a new church plant, just fresh and just starting out and dreaming of the possibility of what could happen. Are you excited about your future? Elbow somebody next to you. Just tell them real fast. I'm so glad that I'm sitting next to you. Come on, tell somebody next to you real fast. I am so glad that I am sitting next to you. Okay, go to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, verse number 1. We'll bring you back. Clap for the keyboard player. You did such a tremendous. The whole worship team. 
Okay, let me give you some context into what we're reading today. Joshua chapter number three. If you don't know much about the scriptures in the Old Testament, this is before Jesus, God raised up a leader named Moses. Moses was used by God. In fact, when God shows up and says, Moses, I'm going to use you, Moses replies, no, you're not. God says, no, Moses, I'm going to use you. Moses says, no, you're not. Moses says, I have a past. Moses was a murderer and Moses was a stutterer. Moses had issues. God says, if you got issues, you're a candidate to be used by God. Anybody, you have issues today. Come on, some of y'all put two hands up right now. You know you got mad issues. If you have issues, you are a candidate to be used by God. God says, Moses, I'm going to use you. So God uses Moses. Moses gets the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, and says, I'm going to use you to take my people into the promised land. Now, this journey should have taken 40 days, but ended up costing them 40 years. I wonder how many of us, it is, it is our problem. We're going round and round the same problems, and we should be in our promised land, but we keep butting up against the same issues. I don't know about you, but I don't want to take 40 years in what should have taken me 40 days. Come on, Mission Church. We're not going to wait forever to get into our promised land. We're going into our promised land this next year. We might have lost KD, but God is for us. I felt the Holy Spirit when I said it. So they, 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 they get out of Egypt, and, and long story short, God uses Moses to take them on dry ground through the Red Sea, and, and God uses Moses. They have the, the fresh manna every day and the fresh Nikes from Hypebeast, and, and, and they, they got the pillar of cloud and the fire by night, and they got, God has been using Moses right before they're about 40 years they've been waiting. Right before they're about to go into their promised land, Moses has another whoopsies, and God says, you're not going into the promised land. In other words, translation, you and I need to live our life carefully obedient to what God has for our life, lest we forsake and not get to enter into what God has for us. Moses makes a mistake right at the end, and God says, no, because of your rebellion, because of your disobedience, you don't get the promised land. I don't want to live with rebellion. I don't want to live with disobedience anybody else. So he gets taken out. He's not the leader that's going to get them in the promised land. And God raises up a new leader named Joshua. Now what I love about Joshua is Joshua has a different spirit. Everybody else sees garbage. Joshua sees gold. Everybody else sees ruins. Joshua sees opportunity. Joshua's got a different spirit. Let me remind you, Mission Church, we're not called to go with the flow. We're called to go upstream. We're called to see things differently. Anybody down to be a part of a church that isn't status quo? Come on, anybody want to be a part of a church? Come on, we see it just a little bit different. Everybody else says, oh, the Bay Area can't have a church that brings revival. No, it's Mission Church. We see the, the power of possibility. Oh, you ought to clap right there, right now. Come on, we're going we're gonna to see it like Joshua. So God raises up this new leader, his name in Spanish, Josue. He is Joshua, and watch what God does here in Joshua chapter 3, verse number 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning when Starbucks opened, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. 
he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they command the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Come on, Mission Church. What God is saying, you've, you've, you've seen some stuff, but you've never been down this road. I love that we, we don't serve the God of Groundhog's Day. We don't serve the God of Groundhog's Year. God's trying to bring you down new rivers and new roads and new opportunities. You've never been here before. Come on, somebody say thank God. We've never been here before. You've never seen this before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Oh, I love that. God's not planning your calamity. God's not planning your failure. No, God's got the wonder plan. God, the wonder things, like I wonder how this check came in. I wonder how we got this building. I wonder how we had to go to three services. I wonder how we had so many mission groups. Come on, anybody down to see the wonder? Come on, God's always fixing a miracle. He's all, come on, the wonder thing's about to break out. Clap like you're ready to receive the wondrous thing that he'll do in your life. What is he saying? You've never seen this before, Joshua. And the wonder things, if I was Joshua, I'd be like, what's he about to do? I've already seen the fresh manna. We already got the fresh Nikes. I've already seen the pillar in the cloud. What's God about to do? The wonder things about to break out. We serve the God of miracles. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests and saying, take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Oh, this is, I love this part right here. I'm going to yell again. <laughs> you know what he's saying? He's saying, Joshua, you're already a big deal in my eyes, but I'm about to make you a big deal in everybody else's eyes. Now remember, promotion cometh not from Instagram. Promotion cometh not from self. The Bible says promotion cometh not from the east nor the West, promotion cometh from the Lord. You ever see somebody try and self-promote? I live in Los Angeles. I was with somebody the other day. I asked them how they were. 30 minutes. They're telling me about who they know, where they've been, where they're about to go, who they just took a photo with. As they talk, you just smile like this. In your head, you're like, Smile like this. What God is saying to Joshua is he's saying, Joshua, I'm about to make you a big deal in everybody else's eyes. Hear me, Mission Church. You are already a big deal in your eyes, but when God promotes this house and God promotes your pastors and God promotes this work, it'll be a big deal in everybody else's eyes. Somebody clap and thank God that God's gonna... Come on, do you have faith for it? God's gonna promote you and do something awesome in this house. I want to preach a message today, write down the title. It's called, It's Time to Move On. It's time 
to move on. Come on, we can't stay at two services. We've got to go to three. So it's time to move on. Let's pray together and let's believe that God will come and speak to us today. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. Today, we acknowledge and we receive together the fact that you are for us, so who can be against us? We have already seen the manna and the miracles, but God, we have faith that you're gonna do something you've never done before. We declare the wondrous thing to break out at Mission Church. We bless our pastors. We bless this church. We bless Bless this house, and we thank you for all that you've planned. And God, we declare we need a miracle this year for the warriors. So we just ask right now, touch the splash bros in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, you ought to clap like you got faith for it. We lost KD, but we got D'Angelo. You ever, um, you ever come to this place like in a relationship or a situation where you're like, eh, I think it's time to move on. I think, I think this, is about, this is about, it's about ready. It's about, it's about, I'm about done with this group. I'm about done at this job. I'm about done in this place. You ever just have that feeling like, eh, I've done, it, it's, the, it's the best, it's the best feeling when you're sure about what you know, it's time to move on. And when you're sure it's not time to move on. Like the other day, I was with somebody, and they were trying to convince me that it's time to move on past half and half in my coffee, and it's time to move on to almond milk. <laughs> like, you need, to move, you need to stop your half and half. You need almond milk. I was like, listen, I don't want your oat milk, your almond milk, your soy milk, your silk milk. I love my milk. Somebody say amen. I love half and half in my coffee. Where are the coffee lovers at today? Or the other day, someone tried to convince me that it's time to just go Apple TV only. I don't need my direct TV. I just need Apple TV and the apps and you're fine. I was like, listen, I watch a lot of TV. By the way, I don't relate with anybody that's like, I don't watch TV. I'm like, good for you, I do. <laughs> I watch so much TV, I need cable TV, Apple TV, now I need every TV I can get. It's called being a sports fan, somebody say amen. I'm not, it's not time to move on. I don't need you to convince me when it's time to move on. I know when it's time to move on. I grew up with, a, like I'm a pastor's kid, so I grew up with no money. <laughs> and so we grew up mad broke, but we were rich in Christ. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so my dad, this is my favorite part about growing up going to sporting events with my dad, is that when you go to like a home basketball game, the home arena, there is a moment in the fourth quarter, it's not when the clock hits zero. There is a moment in the game that tells the home crowd that this game is over. It could be five minutes left in the fourth quarter. There could be some dunk, some three-pointer, some, some, some turnover that tells the whole crowd, this thing, it's time to move on. This thing is over. It, it is just amazing to me because growing up, I, this was my favorite part of the game because my dad would buy the cheap seats. We'd be on the 300 level. There would be some you know, indication that the visitors had beat the home team and half of the arena looks at each other, gets up from their seat and they all leave. This is when my dad and I sneak down to about the fourth row. And we spend the next five minutes watching the scrubs and the people at the end of the bench play basketball. I want to tell you today that it is crystal clear from God in the new season that he has for you. He will speak to your spirit. It's time to move on. 
Oh, I love that. It says that they were camped out near the Jordan River. The Jordan River represents them getting over to the promised land and the other side. God speaks to Joshua, and the first thing that they do, look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and they set towards the Jordan. Write down number one today. Where are you coming from, and what are you set out towards? They set out from Acacia Grove and they set out towards the Jordan. In life, you gotta know what are you coming from and where are you set out towards. Most of us get in trouble because we only know what we're leaving, but you don't know the destination of what you're going towards. Don't tell me what you're coming from. Oh, I'm coming out of this relationship. I'm coming out of this abuse. I'm coming out of this addiction. I'm coming out of depression. Don't, don't tell me what you're coming from. Let me know what you're running towards. God said, you're coming out of Acacia Grove. If you study Acacia Grove, it literally is translated a hard place. It literally is a place of being stuck. God said, I'm I'm bringing you out of hardness. I'm bringing you out of stuckness. I'm bringing you out of this issue, and I'm setting your life to destination and destiny. Come on, anybody thankful today? I know what I'm coming from, but I know what I'm coming towards. I'll never forget when I was uh, first following God and following Jesus, and I surrendered my life. 16 years old, I weighed 111 pounds. And, and I was coming out uh, of, of being a punk pastor's kid. And I'll never forget, I'm at a camp and I'm, you know, really surrendering my life to God. And so I had, you, anybody remember CDs? <laughs> Maybe you have those big binders, case logic. It's pages. People, pe pe your friends, you get in the car, like, what do you got? I'm like, and then at the end, all your mixtapes. Car ride one, car ride two, <laughs> punk rock, rap. And I'll, I'll never forget, I'm at this camp, God gets a hold of my life, and so I take my big case logic, and I go to the cliff, of this edge of the cliff, and, and I start just, Tupac. <laughs> Biggie. <laughs> Outcast. <laughs> I've never cried that hard in my whole life. But, but the, the important part of, of this is not knowing I'm, I'm leaving this thing. It's, it's what are you going towards? Because if you can only just get rid of stuff, but you don't feel, Jesus said, you better be careful. You get rid of a demon and you don't feel that life with that new spirit Seven more coming back, and it's going to be more destructive. Don't tell me what you're coming from. Tell me what you're set towards. I'm not just coming from isolation. I'm running to community. I'm not just coming from addiction. I'm running to my freedom. I'm not just coming from poverty. I'm running to generosity. Come on, somebody thank him right now. I know I'm coming out of a hard place, but I'm coming to a new place. I'm running to Jesus. I'm getting involved in church. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to give. I'm coming from, but I'm going to a better place. Come on, clap one more time and thank God. I'm getting out of my acacia grove and I'm, I see a, it's time to move on. And so they set out. If you're going to make it in this Christian thing, you got to set your life, set your future, set your family up, set your life up, set your eyes up. I'm coming from this mess, but I'm coming to this destination. 
They set out from Acacia Grove and then they come down to the river and the Bible says, and they lodged here. Write down number two, get everything ready. Oh, I love this about God. God, God. God says, before you cross this Jordan River, I want you to come out and set out from Acacia Grove and come down by the river. Anytime I read this in the scripture and it says down by the river, I think of Chris Farley. And I appreciate you getting this joke. That's why I know I love you. Down by the river. It says, and so they came down by the river and they lodged there. And they lodged there. Why in the world does God have the people of God lodging down by the river and not just crossing over? Most of us just want to get out of our stuck place and take an escalator into our destiny. But God says, get out of the hard place and lodge by the river. Lodge. What is he doing? He is mentally preparing them. He is spiritually preparing them. He is financially preparing them. He is saying, you're not ready to cross this river until you get your mind right, until you get your heart right, until you get your relationships right, until you get your finances right. Listen, for some of us, the most spiritual thing you could do today is go home and make a budget. People are like, I don't like this guy. Come on, in the name of Jesus, make a budget. Get everything ready. Get everything ready. What is God saying? God, listen, the, the, most of us think that the ultimate is, is crossing the river. It's not the ultimate. It's the essential. The ultimate is coming down by the river of, of his, his living water and drinking and receiving and rest. Three days, God said, rest by the river. Rest and drink. Br drink in this new water. Drink in. You've been in a stuck place. You've been in a dry place. You've been in a hard place. Now I'm bringing you down to new rivers. What did Jesus say? He said, whoever drinks of my water will never be thirsty again. Anybody thankful that God is more concerned with building you up and filling your mouth and, and refreshing your soul than he is about crossing your river. God's more concerned about who you're becoming than what you're doing. We think it's a river thing, uh, crossing the river thing. God says, no, I want you to sit down and I want you to rest. Watch what he says here in Isaiah. Oh, I love this scripture. Watch what God says about water in Isaiah. Go to Isaiah 50. It is in 58. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. God is saying, I'm more interested in you sitting by the river and receiving my life and my spirit and what I have for you than I actually am with you crossing. It's not about crossing. That's not the ultimate. The ultimate thing is the presence of the Lord. It, it, in fact, if you study out the word drank here, they drank eagerly. They drank like they couldn't get satisfaction. They drank, they were so thirsty just to drink of this water. I wonder if you're more thirsty for what God has and his presence or just to get into your promised land. Because the ultimate is the presence of God. It's not the promised land. It's not the check. It's not the fame. It's not the status. It's not the th this, that, or the other. It's God is our reward. Amen. And so he says, come here and get everything ready. I don't know what it is about my wife, but before we take a trip and get on an airplane, you would think that she was preparing for the rapture. I don't know what it is in her mind that tells her she needs to pay every bill we've ever received, wash every sheet in our house, do everything to make sure, you, like you would think that we were leaving and never coming home. 
all the women are like, I love her. <laughs> all the men rolled their eyes like, I get it, man, I get it. What is God saying? He's saying, get everything ready. Get everything ready. Get every I wonder if you're ready for what God has for you. I wonder if you're ready for the thing that God has prepared. God has got a blessing on the other side, but if you're not ready to handle it, you'll forfeit it. If you're not ready to steward it, you'll forfeit it. If you're not ready to the weight and the magnitude and the moxie that you need to carry out the will and the plan of God for your life before he brings you into the promise, he prepares you for the promise. He gets you out of your stuck place and he gets you in a place of preparation. Come on, your separation is in your preparation. And if you're not ready for what God has, you'll walk across the river and you will forfeit the promised land. Come on, clap today and thank God. I'm getting everything ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready for what God has. God never blesses chaos. He never blesses disorder. Oh, I love, remember that story of Jesus? If you don't know the Bible, there's this amazing story about Jesus. He feeds 5,000 men plus the women and the children. He does this by taking a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish. But before he performs this miracle and feeds 5,000 men, plus the women and the children, the first thing that God does before he breaks the miracle, before he breaks the bread and the fish, the first thing God does is get them in groups of 50. Get them in groups of 50. In other words, before I break out a miracle, I always bring order. I'm not the God of chaos. I'm the God of order. Before I bring blessing, I bring preparation. So I get everything ready so that it can handle what I'm about to do. I wonder if you're ready to get prepared for the blessing that's coming your way. Come on, get some faith right now. I'm getting in my 50. I'm getting my preparation. I'm getting ready for what God has for me. So the first thing that he does is he sets us towards the thing that he has for us. The second thing that he does is he prepares us to cross the river. And then once they're good and ready and they've been drinking up and filling in and getting their mind right and their heart right and their spirit right, all of a sudden they start crossing over the Jordan River. I love this about God. God has specific instruction for every season of your life. God knows what he wants you to do when you get out of Stuckville. God knows what he wants you to do when you prepare to cross. God even knows what he wants you to do when you're crossing over into your promise. He says, when you are crossing the river, I want you to pick up 12 stones as you cross. In fact, write down number three. I love this about God. Pick up your stones. Joshua 4, verse 3, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. Let me read it again. From the place where the priest's feet stood firm, you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Go down to verse 5, same part. And Joshua said to them, take over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder. Y'all remember those big boom boxes? Back in the day, people walking up to the basketball court. I tried it one time. I had a boom box right here. I walked up. A guy was like, no, that doesn't look right. Come here. Give it to me. You look like you're about to fall over. I'm like, thanks, man. God says, I want you to pick up 12 stones. And the 12 stones are not just any stones. These are the stones that allowed the priest's foot to stand firm while we crossed over. In other words, God is saying, I want you to pick up the stuff that allowed you to stand firm. The stuff that allowed you, these are truths. These are principles. These are promises. 
Most of us, we just want to get out of our Stuckville and cross over the river. Like, I don't ever want to think about them again. I hated that season. I hated being single. I hated my old church. I hated my old life. I'll never want to think. No, God's like, there were some things I did there. There were some truths I spoke there. There were some promises I whispered. And you need to take those truths over into your promised land. Don't think that I just am going to allow you to go in and it's all brand new. No, you need to carry these stones across the river and set them up as memorial stones so that when your kids come by and they see on the, on the table, in the, the coffee table, and they're in the kitchen and they go, Mom, Dad, what is that stone? You say, Ooh, this stone right here, I was 19 years old and God called me out of darkness and into light and God saved me by his outstretched hand. This stone right here represents something. Oh, this stone right here, whoo, I was addicted as all, all, all get out and I was a mess, but God released me from addiction and brought freedom in my life. So come, come on, anybody down to carry the stones that God has for you that allows your foot to stand strong and carry them cross the river. Don't be that person that just said, you know, I'm going to block everybody in my past. Forget everybody in my old life. I don't want my old life. I don't want to think about them. No, God was so faithful. He is saying, I want you to bring the truth of who I am. I want you to bring the promises that I spoke to your heart into your promise. I want to give you 12 mission stones. 12 mission stones that we need to take in this new season of going to three services and the new ground we have for you. Come on, anybody thankful for the stones we're taking? Write them down quickly. Worship team, you can come join me. Write down, the first stone we're taking is Jesus. We're taking Jesus. Why are we taking Jesus? Because the Bible says the stone that the builders rejected for Mission Church has become the chief cornerstone. We're building this whole thing on Jesus. The name above all names and the Lord above all lords. Anybody down to be somebody that sings about Jesus, loves Jesus, lives for Jesus, preaches Jesus, and serves Jesus. If you're a Jesus person, clap right now and thank God. I'm taking Jesus with me. Write down number two. I love this. Faith, faith, faith. We're bringing faith, the stone that's called faith. Now remember, mission, faith is what honors God the most, and it's what God mostly honors. This is a faith church. We are going to activate our faith. We are going to move in faith. By faith, we're going to have new property. By faith, we're going to reach people that don't know the good news. By faith, we're going to have songs that are birthed out of this church that people will sing all over the world. By faith, we're going to reach people that never would have stepped foot in church. Any faith people in the house today? Come on, clap right now. If you're down to carry over, come on, your stone of faith. We're a faith church. Write down number three, generosity. Oh, I love that we're holding a check for a new church in Oakland. And that, that generosity, your church is marked not by stinginess. There is nothing worse than a stingy Christian. All the waiters and the waitresses said, amen. Don't you be a stingy Christian. You'll be the first to pick up the bill. You'll be the first to buy the coffee. By the way, you don't need money to be generous. Mission Church is marked by three areas of generosity. You can be generous with your time, you can be generous with your talent, and you can be generous with your treasure. Be generous with your time. Don't let all your time go to yourself. Don't let all your talent. We've got a guy in our church that got saved. But before he got saved, he got all these tattoos. 
and his two biggest tattoos are on his forearms. One forearm, it says leverage, and the other forearm says monetize. One time when I first met him, I said, show me these tattoos. What do you mean? He goes, leverage and monetize. These are my mottos. I go, oh my God. This is the opposite of the church. Leverage, monetize. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I leverage my relationships for business and I monetize any opportunity. Thank God I met you, bro, because now you're saved. You know, in the church, we take our talents. We don't leverage and monetize our talents. We give them to God. Why? Because God gave them to us. So we're generous with our time. We're generous with our talent. And we're generous with our treasure. Come on, anybody down to be a generous church. Come on, pick up that stone. Number four is prayer. We're a praying church. And we don't just believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of God. Something changes when you and I start praying. The Bible says, if my people, if my people, if, 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 emphasis on the word F, I, F, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their own wicked ways, then I will forgive their sins. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. If you want God to heal our land, we got to pray. Come on, anybody down to pray in the morning, pray in the middle of the day, pray at night, pray on your phone. Come on, this is a praying church. Come on, right down the fifth stone. I love this. We're a serving church. We're down to serve. We're just going to keep serving. And if you ain't helping, you ain't helping. Church is built not off the talents of a few, but off the sacrifice of many. So I'm not, listen, I didn't go through all that to get into my promised land just to post up on my dream couch from Restoration Hardware. No, I came over here to serve even more and give even more and help more people. God didn't bring me across my Jordan River so I could post up. No, God brought me across this river so I could help more people and serve more people and be a bigger blessing. Come on, clap if you're down to serve the Lord. A couple more, write it down, community. Come on, we're taking the stone of community. We're a part of a community. This is, not, this is not services. This is not buildings. No, church is community. Write down the next one, kindness. The reality is, church, the further we get and the farther we go, we should get kinder and kinder. You ever walk into church and you see someone with their bitter beer face in church? They have resting worship face. Sometimes while I'm preaching, I'm thinking, do you see your face? Because I can see your face. The joy of the Lord is my strength, except for my face. Two Christians I cannot stand. I don't like a cheap Christian that is stingy. I don't like mean Christians. People ought to walk into mission and go, those are the kindest people I've ever met. Those are the sweetest people on the planet. I've never met such people. They were genuine. They were caring. They were concerned. Kindness is not just a smile. Kindness is saying, how are you doing? How are you really doing? Loving people. Come on, we're taking kindness across the river. A couple more to write down. Number nine, laughter. Laughter. Come on, a spirit of laughter. In laughing fun. Aren't you glad that you've got a funny pastor? Pastor Tyler gets up here, starts telling his jokes. I start laughing. I'm smiling. Laugh your way to a better life. 
We ought to come to church every Sunday and just start laughing. What are we laughing about? I don't know. I don't like when, you know, sometimes Christians like, you know, God's just really dealing with me right now. She's doing a number on me. She's just really dealing with me. I'm always like, what God are you serving? Because you know what I notice when God deals with somebody? God's serious business is joy. You can't encounter the Holy Spirit without the joy of the Lord. In fact, the Bible says in Galatians 5, the fruit or the result of the Holy Spirit, a result of walking with God is joy. Come on, we're going to get stronger, but we're going to get happier. We're going to laugh more. Come on, last three, write these down. Favor, favor got you here and favor is going to get there. Come on, we're going to carry the walk of favor. God's favor has opened up doors. Number 11, freedom. Come on, we're going to stay free. I didn't get into my promised land to get a new vice and a new addiction. I didn't get into my promised land to start getting hooked on drugs or get hooked on booze. No, I came into my promised land to be free, to dance and laugh and sing and serve. Come on, anybody down to walk in the freedom that's in Christ. And the last one, number 12, is heart and soul. We're in this heart and soul. We're in Mission Church, heart and soul. That my heart and my soul are planted in the house of God. I'm not coming across this. Come on, he said, pick up the stones, the truths and the promises that helped us last season and they're going to help us in this, in this next season. There are some things that you cannot forsake. There are some truths that you need to carry with you into the promised land that God has for you. Come on, Mission Church, clap one more time and thank God it's time to move on. It's time to cross over. We can't stay in Acacia Grove. We can't stay in the river. It's time to move on. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.